Art of the Assistant, brought to you from the hills of almost heaven, West Virginia, a podcast created to encourage and assist those who are sitting in the second chair of their ministries and organizations. Good morning, and thank you for joining us again on Art of the Assistant as we tie into some practical lessons of life as we serve the Lord in the second seat or in the second chair of our ministries. And thank you all for joining us today. We are going to talk about a subject that I'm sure many of you know nothing about (laughs) and you've never experienced it. You have no concept of what we're saying, but I just want you to listen and tune in and see if anything sounds familiar despite (laughs) that. And that's tongue-in-cheek, trust me, as we deal with the very important subject of criticism. You all have definitely been on the receiving end of criticism. Whether you've come into your ministry and you're not as cool or you're not as good or you're not the same as the former assistant pastor, maybe your preaching's too long, your preaching's too short. Maybe, um, actually, this actually somebody told this to me, I use too much Bible when I preach. Um, maybe you're not using enough Bible when you preach. Maybe your hair is too short, maybe it's too long, and your tie is crooked, or you need to have a tie and you don't. Maybe not enough hair. Or maybe not enough hair, right, right. That's a good problem to have. And so we've all been there, and, and some of it is laughable, some of it is hurtful. And we just want to talk today about how to deal with criticism. I know there's other podcasts out there that deal with this and talk about it. But some of it's different as we think about an assistant. Sure. You know, as a pastor, if somebody criticizes me, I have the opportunity to go and talk to them about it and say, hey, listen, the back door is always open and there's other churches in town if you don't like <laughs> what I'm doing. Now, as an assistant pastor, you don't have that option. Right. It's not like we can go do a Matthew 18, you're sending against the, you know. Right. And, and so as an assistant, it puts us at a different level when yeah. it comes to receiving that criticism. And honestly, I think some guys with that criticism, it can even drive them out of ministry. Sure. You know, Dan, as we we look at that. So today we're just going to have some basic thoughts on criticism and how to deal with that. You know, my pastor in Ohio would always say public speaking is an occupational hazard. (laughs) And in ministry, it's it's not, I don't know if I necessarily believe in the fishbowl, but there's a lot of truth to it. Yeah, sure. You know, we're being watched. And your sermons are on YouTube or online. People are looking at those. And and we're setting ourselves up for criticism in right. a lot of ways. And honestly, sometimes we as pastors can be critical. Yeah. You know, we can look at somebody and say, man, what's what's their problem? What's mm-hmm. their deal? And, and so we just need to guard it in our own lives. But how do we deal with criticism as we go through it in life and as we go through it in ministry? And so as we think about um, criticism and how it comes to us. Okay, I, I guess the way I picture this is it's like I'm taking um, darts and every little aspect of criticism is coming in and it, it just, it's not going to kill me, okay, but it hurts. Right. And after I take so many of these shots, man, it can really beat me down. And so, guys, how do we handle it? when these darts are being thrown at us. So just let me give you some practical guidelines and points that I've learned over the years and and struggled with, honestly, and, and how to deal with that. One, as we think about receiving criticism, one of the things we tend to do is we focus on the few who are very critical of us instead of the majority who support us. Hmm. And so when I get up to preach on the opportunity the Sunday morning or the Sunday night or the Wednesday night, 
my mind is focusing on and centered on that person who I know didn't like my last sermon mm-hmm. or I know doesn't care for me. And right. the first thing I do is look for them to see if they're going to come to church or not. Mm-hmm. And, and inwardly, yeah, exa- yeah, exactly. And inwardly I'm thinking, Oh, I hope they're not here. Yeah. And, and then they show up and then they come and they sit down and you notice they turn around and whisper to somebody behind them. Mm-hmm. You know, they could be saying, Hey, you know, the coffee was cooled at Starbucks. Right. Yeah. But in your mind, you're thinking, Oh no, we're going to have to listen to him again. Right. Yeah. You know, so we start getting this, paranoia Mm -hmm. because of criticism and and so we we focus all of our eyes this tunnel vision on them right when we miss the other 10 people 20 people 150 people a thousand people sitting out there smiling right saying yes as our assistant pastor we don't have to listen to our pastor again (laughs) we don't we don't see that right because we tend to focus on the one who's given us the criticism Mm -hmm. so guys we got to be careful with that and and don't do that don't allow that paranoia to come in and and take over your life Mm. and that goes on too with with when you see them talking to other people I, i think it was um carly florino in her book that she wrote um, 90% of the people that you think are talking about you haven't thought about you in the last year. Mm. And there's so much truth to that. Right, right. And, and so we think that, you know, hey, the, the pastor has a meeting with the deacons and I wasn't invited, I'm out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, we see that person that, that we know wrote that anonymous letter, even though they didn't put their name on it, talking to somebody else. We just know that they're talking about us. Mm-hmm. And, and we allow that then to consume us and we allow that to take over our minds. And man, that can really eat at us. You know, your stomach, it can upset your stomach. Mm-hmm. It can cause stress. It can, you know, just cause things that for no reason. Yeah. Again, they could be talking about the football game. They could be talking about the weather. They could be talking about coffee. There is no... There's a, probably, Do you have a breath mint? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> one, or you need one. Right. Uh, there's, a, you know, there's a very minimal chance that they're even talking about right, us. Right, right. And yet, what do we do? Oh, man. What, what's wrong? What's happening? Yeah. You know, what, what did I say this time? Hmm. And we can't allow that to consume us. Yeah. We've got to control our minds. We can't allow our lives to be locked up in the fear of paranoia, thinking that somebody else is talking about me again when there's a very minimal chance yeah. that they are. Yeah, and I think a lot of that stems from um, our own insecurities. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, it goes back to that, the fear of man. You know, yeah. The fear of man, it's a trap. It brings yeah. a snare. And when we're living for... Uh, or with an audience of one, I, I'm running my race. Yep. God set my race before me. And um, when critics come along, and it's kind of like, you know, Jesus said, um, not if you pray, but when you pray. Mm-hmm. It, it's kind of the same thing. It's not if you're criticized, yeah. it's when you're criticized. And when, when you are criticized, um, I, I think it was... Uh, uh, B.R. Lakin that said, you know, if you know nothing, have nothing, and you are nothing, your critics will be few. Uh, but mm-hmm. if you know something, have something, do something, then your critics will be many. Yeah. yeah. And that is so very true. But the fear of man pulls us into that trap of 
we're, we're no longer focused on the assignment, the mission God has given mm-hmm. to us to fulfill, but now we're focused on what they think about me. Right. And and that that's a trap. That's yeah. a snare. Well, I mean, even like what we're doing now, Dan, I'm sure that there are people out there that do not like the idea of what we're doing. Right. Okay. So was it easier before we had a podcast? Probably, you know, <laughs> but again, if you're going to do something for the Lord, but even, I don't think it matters if we're on a national scale, you're on a worldwide scale, or you never get on Facebook, you're never on live streaming. And let's just say you're serving in the town of Weston and that's it. Right. And there's how many people here? In Weston. In, in Weston, 4,000. Okay, so 4,000 people. There will be somebody who's either going to write a letter to the editor or sit in your church parking lot and say, I'm sitting in the church parking lot of Hope's Baptist Church wishing I had somewhere else to go because this pastor's a nut. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Right. They're going to be there. Yeah. And, and those critics, there's always somebody that's going to have to do that. So we've got to learn how to take that. Hmm. And not get consumed with that one person, right? Um, that's that's there. So we can't allow this to bother us, and we can't allow it um, to stew and to brew within us. Yeah, you know, because we're just going to get angry, we're going to get upset, we're going to be tempted to answer that critic online, hmm. to put out a public yeah. defense. You know, hey, if any of you think that this is true, it's not right. And, and God's our defense. In a right. lot of these ways, it doesn't matter. Jesus reviled not again. Yeah. 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 That's excellent. And But that's our natural reaction. Mm-hmm. You know, if I get hit, my natural reaction is to what? Swing back. Yeah. Especially if you grew up with a brother. Right. <laughs> An older brother. But yeah, exactly. Like, Cade, why did you do that? This is my youngest son. Because Coleman was choking me. It's always, you know, it's that retaliation. Yeah. But we carry that through our lives. We do. And, and so we, we have that mentality that if you're going to hit me, I'm going to hit you back. When honestly, if we just let it go, the truth will, the truth will set, set, yeah. you know, come true. You yeah. know, it's like in basketball, they say the ball never lies. Hmm. And, and the truth never lies. The truth will make itself manifest and will yeah. come out eventually. And, and let me ask you this, Dan, and as we talk about it, um, have you ever received criticism or somebody say something to you and then you made a drastic decision based on that criticism that you wish you wouldn't have made? Well, I know that's a tough question right off the bat. But. Yeah. Um, hmm. I'm, I'm trying to think of some specific instances, but I, I think that we're all prone to that for sure. Yeah. Um, I, I know that... You know, there are some some differences doctrinally, and, and I'll, I'll give some examples of, of this. So th- if I know that someone is opposed to that particular position, maybe that I'm speaking on that, uh, that particular day, that's in the back of my mind. Yep. I'm looking at their response. I'm looking at how. And yeah. wh- I, I have received one anonymous letter um, in, in my entire yeah. ministry, and we did do an episode um, on that. We one did. of our first ones on we communication. Did. Yeah, I think absolutely. It was number two there, um, and I was very defensive. And I think when when our first reaction is to be overly defensive, um, and only really you and, and the spirit of God within you knows mm-hmm. if if that overly defensive mode if it's if it's just normal or if it's overly you know mm-hmm. if you're if you're going over the edge there yeah. 
uh, if our first reaction is to become defensive and uh, then I don't know they're they're it's either major insecurity within mm-hmm. us which that's a struggle yep. it really is yep. I, by nature you know I I don't like to stir the pot I don't like to think that people are upset with a decision mm-hmm. that I've made or just upset with me in, in general. That mm-hmm. That's bothersome to me. Yeah. And so there's insecurity there. There's pride there. There's um, the fear of man there. Yeah. And it absolutely has, has guided the course of action after that criticism mm-hmm. came. That's good. So that's good. Um, that's I, really I don't. Good. I don't know. I mean, I don't know that I could point to, to no, it, yeah. a specific thing. Good for but, you. I can. Yeah. Um, <laughs> stupid. So we we moved here, obviously in Morgantown, as you know, the housing market is ridiculous, and we, you know we sell a home that that's beautiful home in North Carolina, and we move here, and we can't even find a nothing home for what we sold our home for, hmm. not even a home, and and so uh, the a man in the church had a, a I should say a friend of our ministry had a really nice double wide trailer on an acre of land and he allowed us to put missionaries in there or use it and so they allowed us to move into there when we came to town hmm. and after we were there for a little while he's like Trey here's the deal I want you to stay there for a year he said I want you to stay in this house I want you to live there for a year and just save up money for a down payment on a home so you don't get behind and which you know hey praise the Lord yeah so we um, we sold our home, and we were planning on, okay, let's give this a year, stay there. And I heard somebody in the church say, and I was walking through. They didn't know I was around. wonder how long they're going to stay there. They've sold their house. They need to get a house. And I thought, oh. And instantly, because of that one statement, I thought the whole church is thinking it. Right, yeah. You know, and in looking back, I should have just got up before the church and say, listen, we have sold our home. Um, it's a real blessing. And, you know, so-so is going to let us stay there for a year to get some money saved up so we can mm. we can get a home. But instead, I reacted. Yeah. I didn't have the money for a down payment, so I just left the house and got a rental. Hmm. And it was, it was dumb, but it was the idea of, okay, I can't stay here because of what people think they're going to think bad about us that we're taking advantage of the church or taking advantage of somebody so i'm going to make a drastic decision yeah that was a dumb decision yeah (laughs) and we we were behind and we bought a house without a down payment and you know it took it took a while to dig out of that where if i had just stayed there but i allowed criticism yeah you know to take hold and i've people have said things like well must be nice to be in the ministry you get all this free stuff (laughs) and nothing nothing like that ever Mm -hmm. happens to me and you know those kind of things Mm -hmm. and yeah it does get to you and Mm -hmm. you begin to stew on it um i would would you would you talk about and the the last podcast we actually talked to our wives Mm -hmm. and uh, which brought in a, a unique perspective to how you know that's viewed, and I know that we've covered this a little bit, but mm-hmm. um, how much of that criticism do you take home with you? Yeah, um, very little, if any, and and it's tough, you know, when when that criticism comes, it's tough when that happens. Now, sometimes you know it's it doesn't matter. Let's say that um, you know I wrote an article on my blog. And somebody writes me back and says, "Hey, uh, you're you're a terrible person. We can't stand you." And you know, 
I can't believe you wrote an article like that. I'm not going to, I don't care if she sees that or not. You know, that doesn't affect her. Right. But let's say that a lady in the church comes up and says, hey, I just was really offended by your message. I can't believe this happened. Why did you do this? Then we've got to be careful. Yeah. Because then the next Sunday, I can come in personally and say, hey, because I, I, we're all human. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about this in the next podcast, considering the source. Yeah, you know, right? And, and maybe I know what that lady's going through. I know that her and her husband are having marital difficulties. And I know this is taking place. And I know what she said to me, she maybe would never have said in a different situation. Right. But my wife not, not cannot yeah. necessarily make that distinction at the time. What she sees is this person just attacked my husband, mm-hmm. and, right? And don't not my not my husband and not my babies. And also, I know not every this is a painting with a broad brush, but um, ladies tend to hold on to things mm-hmm. uh, more deeply yes. than yes. than men do. And my family. How we handle problems, and I'm not saying this is right, this is not right, but how we've traditionally handled problems on my side of the family is we just don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. we, we get together at the next family dinner, and, um, you know, there's an issue there, but we're just not going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. You're still my brother, you're still, you know, yeah. we're, we're, yeah. we're good. Uh, and that drives Holly up the wall. Her family, it's like, let's duke it out. Let's, um, I mean, let's fight it out and say what we need to say. And, and then we can move on. And so when something like that happens, I'm okay with just, you know, that hurt, that wounded me, but you know what? We, we got to move on. Um, I can put that in this compartment Mm -hmm. and it's kind of like the, you know, men are like waffles, yeah, uh, right. uh, women are like spaghetti, you know. <laughs> uh, I can put this in compartment and we're good with with her. It's everything emotionally is flowing together. And so I think we have to be careful because when we're criticized, we want, some, we want someone to come to our defense. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes we know that we can count on our wife to Man, do that's that. that's so good. Yeah. So uh, we want to share that with them. They come to our defense. We feel better. They feel horrible. We're moving on. They're holding that person in debtor's prison. Yeah. Uh, and so we really do have to be careful yeah. about what we share and even how we share it. Yeah. And then so if you don't share it in the next Sunday, your wife, you know, Holly comes up to that lady, gives her a hug. It's so good to see you. That's heaping coals of fire upon the head without even knowing it. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's and, true. and so it's protecting. I think it's a protection. Is it going to edify our, our spouses? No. Yeah. Is it going to encourage them? No. Is it going to help them with their walk with God? Know them? Why? Why do it? Right. Again, it could be our own selfish motives right. yeah. that we do something like that. Yeah. So, so one, one more thing here, and then uh, maybe uh, on the next podcast, we, we, need to, we need to look at when there's truth behind the criticism. Yeah. We need to look yeah. at that point. But, yeah. um, as it pertains to that second chair, um, mm-hmm. when the criticism is coming from the pastor's office or the leader's office, and I found that it's hard. It's hard to pastor your staff and you know address criticism mm-hmm. or, or, or address uh, issues, mm-hmm. you know, uh, without blending that. You know, there's there's um, there, sometimes it comes across as you know my pastor's upset with me. Yeah. Uh, you know. So yeah. how how does that work? I mean, yeah. I think in my position, it doesn't start with the first initial aspect of criticism you've got to build that relationship prior Mm. so for instance um 
you know, Tuesday, I took my youth pastor assistant out for lunch. And I said, because I made them all hand in the goals to me at the beginning of the year. Hmm. And so we went to lunch and I pulled out the goal sheet. I didn't tell them I was doing it. I said, how are we doing with, you know, yeah. writing a newsletter to my parents every week? Eh, I need to do a little better with that. Right. How are we doing with this? How are we doing with hmm. that? So I'm not being critical. Yeah. It's just a follow up. Right. And so now I, I've built a basis a base with them of communication, man. I, man, I just want you to know, I really appreciate what you're doing. I think this is wonderful. Yeah. You know, you, you just did a great job. I really appreciate all of this. So we have that. Mm-hmm. So then I can go and say, Hey man, listen, um, I need you to do something for me. Yeah. And then we can go through and have those conversations, not be overly critical. And, and if we have that relationship, it can be good. Now, again, some people don't deal with it well. Right. You know, I had a, a staff member with a, with a church and school. I can make this broad. Right. But I had a staff member one time that, I said, hey, let's let's go grab a cup of coffee. So we, we go down and grab a cup of coffee. We're coming back. I say, listen, um, the way this situation was handled, you really offended this person. And and I've heard the situation, but I've heard it from others who were around. And you really, for the cause of Christ and for the relationship of our ministry, just need to tell them you were wrong, you know, mm-hmm. and make it right. I said, but I want you to pray about it, get it right in your heart. I got out of the car, and they squealed their tires leaving. Mm-hmm. Gravel's flying, <clears throat> dirt's flying. Yeah. Now wait a second. Right. Okay. That's that's uh, showing me there's a deeper root right. issue here. Yeah. But I think as as men receiving that criticism, we just man, we just need to thank them. Yeah. You know, if we have the right heart, they're just trying to make us better mm-hmm. for a better person and better ministry. Yeah. So now, if your pastor is continually criticizing you and giving you a rough time, that can be a bully. Right. And and that's a different issue. It is, and it's hard to discern because when our yes. emotions are involved, yeah. uh, it it may feel like we're being right. bullied, but right. in fact, or you know, it's it's just counsel. And, um, and let me um, go ahead, Dan. I'm sorry. I, no, I was just going to uh, Proverbs 19 verse 20 says, "Hear counsel and receive instruction, that thou mayest be wise in thy latter end." Mm. And when we are able to hear counsel. And to strain it through um, what we may consider, you know, this is undue criticism, but we're able to get to the to the heart of the matter. Mm-hmm. Um, then, you know, we're gaining wisdom in that. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Go ahead. I didn't mean to cut. No, you off that's there. fine. It's fine. I was just going to say there's um, a, a pot. There's a blog out there that I was reading um, that that really does a a good job. It's his name is uh, Michael Kruger, and if you look up Michael Kruger, the the blogs Cannon and Fodder, I believe it was there that he talks about how to how to determine um, or how to identify a bully pastor hmm. and pastors who are bullying from the pulpit, or hmm. even maybe you feel like you're listening to this, you feel like, man, I'm being bullied um, about what is going on. Look up Kruger and and see if you can find that blog on you know is my pastor bullying me or ruling our congregation and he's got some great insight as he does that and again that's michael kruger but guys thank you so much and gals thank you so much for tuning in and listening to art of the assistant uh dan and i just enjoy having this time to encourage and edify each one of you and it edifies us as we talk about these things again if we can be a help to you in any way please let us know and maybe if you are looking for a church or if you're a pastor and you're looking for an assistant Man, just shoot us an email, and we'll be glad to let others know um, what availabilities are out there. Have a wonderful day. Like us, subscribe, and share this podcast with others that you know. It'll be a blessing, too. Have a great day.